0: The salary cap is set for 2022 2023. How should the Minnesota Wild spend their money? How much do they have? We dive into the salary cap and look at which potential Wild free agents should stay and which should go today on Locked On Wild. You're Locked On Wild, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Lockdown Wild is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we dive into the salary cap as the number for next season has been established. We see what the Wild have to work with, who they should try to retain, and some potential names in free agency. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, veteran Minnesota sports content producer with well over a decade's worth of experience covering your favorite Minnesota sports teams and guiding you through the offseason here on Locked on Wild as part of the Dennis System 2.0. So the salary cap, it's set, it's ready to rock. Uh, The number for next season $82.5 $82.5 million is the ceiling, and the floor, the got to spend it number, is $61 million. Now, we don't have to worry about the, uh, the floor because uh, the Wild have already exceeded that mark. And so let's just look at uh, what the Wild have um, in terms of salary obligations at this point. And uh, thanks to Track, one of my favorite sites to uh, to take a look at. I know a lot of people use uh, cap-friendly or over-the-cap as well. But uh, the Wilds have these obligations to the cap in 2022-2023 uh, already. So they have uh, $54,482,500 in salary uh, obligations: three million ninety-two thousand five hundred dollars in signing bonuses; six hundred eighty-two thousand five hundred dollars in performance bonuses, bringing you to a grand total of fifty-seven thousand five hundred seventy-five dollars, and a cap hit of sixty-three million one hundred seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. So, sixty-three million, just over that, with eighty-two. Million five hundred thousand as the uh, cap ceiling sounds great, right? Wait, am I forgetting something? Yes, uh, twelve million seven hundred forty three thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars to be exact. Why does that figure sound familiar? Parisian suitor. So, with the buyouts. At their current figure, the Wild are currently sitting at $75,861,088, which leaves them uh, right around $6.6 million to work with for this upcoming season. Now, on one side of the coin, the Wilds have gone about trying to lock up as much of the current roster as they can. So, there really aren't a lot of areas in which the roster needs players. Now, this isn't I mean, if you have have kept with us through the uh, the majority of the off season, you know where we stand on the keep or trade Kevin Fiala. Angle. Looking at this from a salary cap standpoint, the Wild have allocated most of their money and they have a large portion of the roster currently set uh, to, uh, to take up a large portion of that salary cap space. Um, you look at uh, the salary obligations and the spots that pop up to me in terms of areas that uh, are going to need to be filled. Somebody on the second line, although if, depending on the, uh, the trade package, uh, if Kevin Fiala is the one that ends up being traded, we've been looking with some other teams as to players that could end up coming back in a trade. So depending on who comes back there, you have somebody on that second line. You have a spot there, and you have two spots on the fourth line, and backup goalie, and maybe a depth defenseman. So of those spots, that is, what, five players, give or take, with uh, six million and change to work with? Now, we'll talk about it, but one of those depth defenseman spots will probably be taken by somebody who is currently in the starting mix when the Wilds are hopefully able to negotiate an extension with Jacob Middleton. That, I would think, would be a top priority for this team, considering how they can fill some of those other spots um, in their forward lines. I would think Middleton would be the priority to uh, to try to... Um, to try to lock that spot down and then you can sign him to maybe a longer deal to keep him around as uh, other contracts expire, things along that line. But main point is that, yeah, 6 million is not a heaping amount of money by any stretch, but really not, you don't have a whole lot of spots that need to be filled or that, that need to be filled, um, based off of how Bill Guerin is constructing this roster. So that's the, uh, that's the good news. Now, how those spots get filled on the forward side, it's going to be some young players. The likelihood that Marco Rossi fills that spot um, on the second line is pretty high. So that'll be a cheaper contract that the Wild will add in. Uh, and so, you know, that's, I think... Had it pulled up rossi's deal I think is somewhere around um eight hundred thirty two thousand dollars so um that is a cheaper contract, so that's going to leave you with um upper five five and a half five point eight I think the actual number for the wild is uh six point three um 6.6 million, so they'll get you about 5.8 to fill the remainder of the spots. So, the Wild have some spots that need to be filled, but it's, it's going to likely be by young players or by veteran players that sign for little to nothing um, to take some of those spots in the roster. So, We will kind of examine some of the names on the list and whether or not they would be good fits for the Wilds to build around, to um, work into the fold, or if it just at this point makes sense to just move on and fill with elsewhere. So uh, we will start by taking a look at some of the impending free agents at the forward position as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all that and more at BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing today's episode of Locked On Wilds, once again, thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Today's episode brought to you by BetOnline. Bet online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online, where the game starts. So roughly 6.6 million, a uh, little over that, uh, in cap room for the Wild to work with. Now looking at some of the impending free agents, uh, big ones, of course, Mark Andre Fleury, who's an unrestricted free agent. Kevin Fiala is a restricted free agent, and uh, based off of what he will be looking at for an extension and payday, he is uh, probably out of the Wilds' price range unless they move some pieces around to make it work. And we've been pretty vocal in the keep him, build around him, because he has proven that he is... Worthy of being a core player, but in the comments that have been made this off season by uh, Bill Guerin and others, it just it seems pretty set that uh, Fiala will not be part of the mix going forward. So that's that's the decision that's been made, or uh, or is likely to be made. So we're for this exercise, we're just going to assume that he will not be part. Of the uh, the plans going forward, you've also got Nick Delorier, who is an unrestricted free agent. Jordy Ben, Nick Bugstad, and Jacob Middleton is a restricted free agent uh, for the Wilds. Seven hundred twenty-five thousand for Middleton this past season, so he stands to make uh, a nice amount in a raise. Uh, depending on how things play out. Now, some other interesting names that are restricted free agents. Mitchell Chafee is a restricted free agent. He had a pretty good season with the Iowa Wilds, had uh, a couple of opportunities to play with the Wild this season. And so he's a guy that is a restricted free agent uh, for this uh, this team. Another big one, Connor Dewar, who was uh, one of the mainstays, on the fourth line for this team up until the trade deadline. And so he is another player that is going to need to have a decision made on his contract uh, going forward. Uh, then you look up and down the list, and it's a lot of um, a lot of depth guys uh, down in Iowa. I mean, most notable probably Kyle Rau, but uh, you also have Derek Barabeau. And uh, some of the other names, uh, Nick um uh, some of those regular names on the Iowa roster that are all either restricted or unrestricted free agents at this point. I wanted to start with probably the biggest Marc-Andre Fleury because uh, that's been another thing that the Wild have discussed at points uh, throughout the offseason, or Bill Guerin has discussed at points throughout the offseason, is the desire for Flurry to be part of this team again next year. Now, I'll just point blank say it. Not at the salary that he made last year. The Wild do not have that money on their books. $7 million. They They can't get that done. And so, do you take the opportunity that Alex Goligoski had where you signed for you know, a little bit of a, in Golagoski's case, you sign for a higher uh, AAV for one year and then sign an extension for a couple of years at a lower AAV to kind of even things out. For Flurry, if he is going to play here again, it would have to be for uh, substantially less than uh, what he played for last year. I'm I'm talking in the ballpark of two to three million dollars. And if he would be amenable to that and you can maybe do like a two-year deal, that would probably be okay. Performance aside, because look at some of the other names that are free agents at the goalie position. So Fleury is probably tops of the list, not only in salary, but in performance. I mean, you got Miko Koskinen. That's probably a no. Darcy Kemper is going to play or has played himself into a pretty massive payday uh, coming up here in uh, once free agency begins. You've got uh, Tomas Grice of Detroit. Eh, that doesn't really do anything. Yaroslav Halak for Vancouver. He is almost as old as Fleury. Probably another one that doesn't really do anything. Alexander Gorgiev of the Rangers, he's a restricted free agent. So if that is an option you want to go, that that's something that's gonna cost you uh certainly um because the Rangers then would have the opportunity to match. Uh Braden Holtby is another one, Martin Jones. Uh, Jack Campbell from Toronto, he's somebody that is probably going to be uh, getting a uh, a nice deal. And, you know, we, we've we talked about in in the past, you've got maybe a name like Casey DeSmith, who was uh, in Pittsburgh and is a name that maybe Bill Guerin would be familiar with. But the point being, in looking at this, is that there really aren't a lot of super good options out there. I mean unless you are going huge swing to try to figure out a way to uh, get a guy like Jake Edinger away from Dallas, which I don't think is possible with how he played in the playoffs against Calgary. I don't think that's something that they're going to be super amenable to, but there really aren't a lot of names out there that you could pull in to be the backup for Cam Talbot and Talbot over the course of the last couple of seasons, has been really good. He's been very good. He has had some stretches in which he has been injured. And so, some of that's not on him, but that just underscores the need to have somebody who, if Talbot is hurt, can step in and play for an extended stretch of time. And And maybe if it's a little bit more of a 60-40 or 55-45, we, we talked about this extensively at the beginning of the season with Talbot and Capo Just trying to make it so that you're not running Talbot out there every night to where he wears down as the season progresses. If you can get somebody behind him that can play uh, and, and can maybe take some starts so that he's not getting overworked, Maybe that's a good option, but that option really isn't out there other than Marc-Andre Fleury. And as a backup, maybe as somebody who takes a lesser salary and takes a two-year deal to kind of um, ride off into the sunset and then that's it, he's done, maybe that's not a bad option. Now, I also would be leery of that because... As we saw with the whole um, Duncan Keith thing, and you know this this is not the the same situation because Keith obviously um, was traded and still has some time left on his contract that he signed with Chicago. I I, I don't know if you should be worried about Flurry maybe playing one year and saying, eh, I I think I think that's probably enough. So maybe it's not a two-year deal in structure. Maybe it's just like a, hey, sign a one-year deal, and if you want to come back next year, then we'll be amenable to that. But again, main point is that it would have to be a substantial reduction from what he made this past season. It can't come anywhere close to $7 million if the Wild want to make that happen. It's got to be... Preferably, it'd be around two, maybe a little north of two, but I would say the most that they could throw at the backup goalie position would be about three million, tops. So if he's amenable to that, then that's probably the route you go, but I, I really don't, I mean, even Casey DeSmith, as we talked about, lots of injuries. And so you're bringing bringing somebody in like that to be the backup, but there's also a chance that he himself is hurt and then cannot be the backup himself. So it's it's a risk, and that's why having Talbot as that top guy is important because then you're not relying on that spot nearly as much as you normally would save trying to make sure that you don't overwork him throughout the course of the season. So whatever the Wild do at the goalie position is going to have a limit as to what they can spend and they're just they're really not going to be able to exceed that. So we'll see if it's flurry it's flurry if if not then it's it's going to be somebody that is probably it's going to be somebody who is going to have some NHL experience, but is probably not going to have a ton of upside, at least until Jesper Wallstead is ready um, to take over. So that, that is – it'll be interesting to see if um, how much of a, a priority the Wild make Marc-Andre Fleury he had some uh, he had some good moments but you know as, as with most of the team in that series against St. Louis he just just really didn't have it for uh, for large stretches so that that's the goalie position now there are some holes that will need to be filled um in the forward spots and so we'll finish today by taking a look at some of the names uh, that the Wild could re sign if they should re sign, and uh, then we'll look at uh, some of the other things that they may do to fill those final few spots that uh, exist in the starting lineup. That will finish today's episode of Lockdown Wild. After this, final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Now that the salary cap has been set, we are taking a look at where the Wilds stand financially heading into this season and some of the things that they should look at doing or should not. Let's look at the impending free agents for the Minnesota Wild that are not goalies. Uh, you look at Nick DeLaurier, Jordy Ben, Nick Bukestad, uh being the most notable. And then you have, and I I got this originally from Major League Baseball, so I'll use it here. You have Kyle Rau who is kind of the ultimate 4A guy, or like a AHL player. Not necessarily good enough to be an NHL guy in and of his own right, but a guy who probably is a little better than AHL caliber play. Uh, So those are the names that uh, will be impending free agents once the playoffs are done. And this is how this usually goes with where teams like the Wild are at. This is just a perfect opportunity for the Wild to get younger in these spots. Now, on defense, this will be a little different. Jordy Ben, I, I don't see a, a scenario in which he is back um, was a good veteran presence, but more often than not when he was out on the ice, was getting skated past or olayed as uh, opposing players blew by him towards the net. So, I, and we, we talked about, um, in just looking at the state of the defense, too, that it's probably not a good idea to have him be your fallback option. Um, to that decor, like your first line of, pardon the pun, defense, if somebody gets hurt, is Jordy Ben. That's, that's not great. So I would imagine he will end up going elsewhere. Maybe he, he may retire if he doesn't feel like he has enough left in the tank to keep going. But main point is whatever he decides to do, do it elsewhere. And so that will leave a spot for the Wild that like I said, I think will be plugged defensively. And maybe it's a team that just kinda goes with that seven D rotation to where you may have some guys that get healthy scratched throughout the season just as maintenance days. I would feel way more comfortable having like Alex Goligosky or Dmitry Kulikov as kind of that Jordy Ben. You you maybe aren't in good shape if they play a majority of the season, but if they play for stretches here and there, they're going to be fine. So if Jacob Middleton resigns and assuming that the rest of the decor stays as we would imagine it would, you know, if you resign Jacob Middleton to somewhere and I'm, I'm not super great at the like, well, based off of his performance, such-and-such such is the raise that he gets. Let's just assume he goes from 725K to 1.5 to 2 mil. I think that seems reasonable. So, assuming that the Wild sign him to maybe a two- or a three-year extension, you got him and Spurgeon as the top pairing, then you got Brodine and Dumba, then you have Merrill and you have... Kulikov slash Goligoski, and then whoever isn't playing is your seventh defenseman backup, and that scenario is okay. Now, my preference, I think, would be to kind of shake things up a bit. But if we are assuming that the Wild keep it as it is and just go with that as kind of your your seven D, that's that's okay. So if that's the route that they go, I feel much better about that as the backup option than Jordy Ben. Now, as the forward options, and I guess official stance, should the Wild re-sign Jacob Middleton? Yes. Yes, they should. Now, for the fourth line, Nick Delorier and Nick Bugstad are the ones that you're really, and Connor Dewar, are the ones that you're looking at, should you sign, should you re-sign? I would say absolutely for Connor Dewar. I think he gives you solid minutes, and I think he gives you you a lot of the things that you look for. So I would say yes to Dewar. I would say no to either of the other two. Unless Nick Bugstad wants to come back, in a extremely, like, I don't know what the veteran minimum is, but in a contract that is really not going to, like, financially burden you. Because in stretches, Nick Bukestad is is capable of giving you good minutes. But when you rely on him for the course of an entire season, A, he's not going to really be able to hold up from a durability standpoint, and B, he's... He's not that kind of a player. So if he's your backup option, that would be, again, that would be okay. But I would say all of the, the hierarchy, Dewar, DeLaurier, Bugstad, in terms of who to re-sign, like the the priority list. Dewar is the priority. Delorier and and Bugstad... You know, it's not like they were making huge amounts of money, so if you get them for something similar to what they made, that's, that's probably fine, but you also have some guys that maybe could give you a little something from the Iowa roster if they were elevated uh, and given the opportunity to play at the NHL level. So, um, it, main point... To take away from this episode and from what we will see from the wild here uh, over the course of free agency and um, into the start of next season is outside of the one big move we all anticipate is coming. There really is probably not going to be a lot of movements other than retaining guys that uh, were part of this mix last year. And that was kind of the goal throughout the season was to try to get as much of this group retained as possible to get through these lean years with the buyouts. And then once the buyouts have alleviated, blank canvas, hopefully. We'll see. But um, all in all, we're getting closer to the start of free agency, and so that should and the draft, so that should answer a lot of questions that are going to cause these other moves. These other moves will all be handled after the big one. So big fish first, smaller fish after that, Um, and before you know it, it's time for the season once again. So that is uh, today's episode of Locked on Wild for you. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you check out the Lockdown NHL podcast to see if there is anything the Tampa Bay Lightning can do to try to get back into the Stanley Cup final. Lockdown NHL is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just like Lockdown Wilds, available wherever you listen, anytime you want to listen as well. Make sure you're following along with us on social media. We will be keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.